Bible Treasures Topic 7 Holiness Welcome to the Sound Doctrine Telecast. Praise God for all the corrective teaching we received through this series of talks. The subject we are studying during the last five weeks has been Biblical Holiness. Beloved, we would like to begin with an encouraging statement. God is more interested in making us holy than we are desirous of becoming holy. That is why immediately after saying be holy, he promised I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Yes, the name of our God is Jehovah Mekadesham. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So far we have done five lessons under the title How Not to Sanctify. Lesson number one. Do not depend on your strength. Lesson number two. Do not forget your responsibility. Lesson number three. Do not become sin conscious. Lesson number four. Do not give excuses for failures. Last week we studied lesson number five. Do not overlook the sins of omission. Today we'll move on to lesson number six. How not to sanctify. Do not practice seclusion. Do not practice seclusion. Beloved, the word sanctify in the Bible actually means separate or set apart. This has been God's will for His people. For example, if you turn with us to book on holiness, even book of Leviticus, 20th chapter, look at the 26th words. You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. Yes, God separated his people from other peoples and he said, I am making you holy. Then God scattered them all over the face of the earth in order that they might become a blessing to all the peoples of the world. On the other hand, these people, wherever they were scattered, they learned the evil and idolatrous ways of the world. So they started living against the very purpose and calling of God. And God sent his men again and again to rebuke the people for their sinfulness. One such rebuke we have in book of Nehemiah, 13th chapter. Look at the 26th words. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations there was no king like him who was beloved of his God. God made him king over all Israel. 
Nevertheless, pagan women cast even him to sin. Now this truth is carried over in a different wording to book of 2nd Corinthians and 6th chapter. We'll read from verses 16 to 18, the second portion of the 16th verse. God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This is broadly the purpose for which God wanted his people to live a life of separation. But the religious Jews of Jesus' time, instead of practicing separation, they started practicing seclusion. One such incident we have in Matthew's Gospel 9th chapter. We'll read from verse 9. Jesus saw a man sitting in the tax office. His name was Matthew. Jesus said, follow me. He immediately arose and followed Jesus. Obviously, he arranged a dinner for Jesus. As Jesus sat at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. This immediately upset the Pharisees. And look at the 11th words. The Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus heard that he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not Sacrifice. Now this statement is a very classic statement. In the name of separation, they were exercising, practicing seclusion. To correct it, Jesus brings out a classic truth. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Beloved, this particular text occurred so many times from the lips of the Old Testament prophets. Isaiah said it in the first chapter, 11th verse. Prophet Amos says that in the 5th chapter, 21st verse. And Prophet Micah, he speaks about that in the 6th chapter, verses 7 and 8. And Prophet Hosea speaks about it in the 6th chapter and 6th verse. Beloved, you know why Jesus gave this correction? He knew for sure that only by becoming a friend of sinners, you can bless them. That is why he told his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. What is the use of the salt if it is kept only in the bottle without being shaken and sprayed on the food? What did Jesus say? You are the light of the world. Where should the light be placed? It must be placed where there is darkness. 
Sometimes we think, oh, our citizenship is in heaven. We don't want to do anything with the world. And they quote Philippians 3rd chapter 20th verse. What do we read there? Our citizenship is in heaven. But our citizenship is in heaven. But where are we supposed to function? Look at the second chapter of the same book. Look at the 15th verse, last portion. You must become blameless and harmless children of God without fault. Where? In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Yes, our citizenship is in heaven, no doubt. But where should we shine? In the midst of the crooked and perverse people, in this world we should shine. You know, where is God seated? Seated in heaven. Where are his feet? His feet are on earth. He is in touch. Beloved, that's the truth we want to emphasize today. We are not called to be the salt of the church. We are to be salt of the earth and the light of the world. Did not Isaiah receive a cleansing from the Lord when he was living among the people of unclean lips? Is it not during that time that God sanctified him? Why did Apostle Paul send Titus to Crete? Turn with us to the book of Titus and look at the first chapter. Look at the twelfth words. One of them, that is one of these Cretans, a prophet of their own said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy glutton. What does Paul say in the fifth words? For this reason I left you in Crete. Yes, beloved, God wants us to live in this world, not practicing seclusion, but merely separation. We will look at some scripture passages which are normally quoted to talk about this separation. And we will try to find out what exactly do those verses mean. Famous text is Psalm 1 and verse 1. What do we read there? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. What do we read in these words? We are not supposed to avoid the ungodly, but we are not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We are not to avoid the sinners. He says we are not to stand in the path of the sinners. He does not say you should avoid the scornful people. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. It is summarized in the sixth words. Later portion. Way of the ungodly shall perish. So it is not ungodly people we should just throw away, but the way of the ungodly we should eschew. In other words, we must hate sin, but not the sinner. 
we should hate evil not the evil do here now there is another text that we have in first corinthians 15th chapter these are all texts which are normally employed for separation so we thought we will just look at them for a moment look at the 33rd words do not be deceived evil company corrupts good habits to understand that you go to the next words awake to righteousness and do not sin in other words when you come across the word awake which means if you are not careful you will be sedated by evil and uh, sinful ways of this world so that is what is meant there because here paul is referring to a philosophy that is totally unbiblical look at the 32nd words he says if in the manner of men i have fought with beasts and fishes what advantage is to me if the dead do not rise let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die so in other words here there was a doctrine that there was going to be no resurrection So Paul says be careful about it don't get sedated by that wrong philosophy Then there is another verse which is also very familiar to us James 4th chapter and 4th words It says adulterers and adulteresses don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God What is the meaning of friendship of the world If you read the first three verses speaks about lust and covetousness it is not the people of the world but it is the sinful things of the world that is what is explained in first john second chapter look at the 16th verse what does the 15th word say do not love the world or the things in the world If anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him what is the things of the world look at the 16th word all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life they are not of the father but that is of the world in other words friendship of the world means friendship or association with the evil things or the sinful ways of the world Beloved, if we are not careful in this area, you know what will happen? First Corinthians fifth chapter, we'll read from verse nine. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world, or with the covetous, or exhaustionists, or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. that is not possible you cannot run away from the world he is correcting it here the 12th words he speaks about those who are outside and those who are inside in other words he is dealing with the matter of church discipline so he says there are so many sinful people outside in the world we cannot run away from them that is not what i meant you know he is correcting them 
That is why Jesus prayed in John's Gospel 17th chapter. Father, I don't say you take them out of the world. I am only saying keep them sanctified in the world. How correctly Jesus also made that statement. That is how Jesus lived. He was mixing with sinners. He was called the friend of sinners. At the same time, he kept himself away from the sinful ways of this world. That is what we read in book of Hebrews 7th chapter. Look at the 26th verse. Such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefined, separate from sinners. In other words, Jesus was mixing with sinners, but he was separating himself from the sinful ways of sinners. We want to look at some more areas so that we can give you some practical exhortations. Suppose a believer has got an unbelieving wife or a believer has got an unbelieving husband. Read 1 Corinthians 7th chapter carefully, especially verses 12 to 14. You know what Paul says? No need for them to run away from one another. The unbelieving husband is sanctified by the believing wife. The same thing vice versa. Otherwise your children will be unclean. In other words, beloved, if you are already married and your spouse is an unbeliever, in the name of separation, don't run away. Because that is what God has brought you to together and don't separate. Suppose you are not married yet and if you are a believer, make sure you marry only a believer. We should understand scripture in its proper context. And what about the general virtues in the world? Yes, the world is corrupt. But that doesn't mean every man is totally bad. Every man, even after he is fallen, has to some extent the image of God upon him. To learn to respect the general virtues of the world. Don't try to look at everybody with the dark glasses. To the impure, all things are impure. But to the pure, everything is pure. We want to conclude with a statement by a man of God by name Leonard Ravenhill. The greatest miracle is that God takes an unholy man from the unholy world, makes him holy, puts him back into the unholy world, and keeps him holy. Yes, beloved, this is how we should grow in sanctification. How not to sanctify? Do not practice seclusion. God bless you.